Hallelujah. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Anybody else grateful? Hallelujah. I'm grateful. Praise the Lord. We have, uh, over the last, whatever it's been now, at least a month, probably a lot longer than that, to be honest about it, we've been talking about the power of thanksgiving and giving of thanks. And uh, I, uh, every, uh, every week, I never really know what's going to happen. I very rarely, um, I mean, every now and then I might know that we're moving into a series, but most of the time I do not. Um, most of the time I just start and minister something, and then next week it comes up again, and it comes up again, and next thing you know you've been here for weeks. And uh, so um, I'm hoping that you're not bored with what we've been preaching over the last several weeks. Uh, to me, I see it as a very uh, powerful principle, and again, we're going to go to the book of Colossians, chapter 3, and with our opening verse, and um, I've been talking about the importance of uh, the giving of thanks, what it means, and how uh, vital it is in the area of uh, presence and moving into the things of God, receiving from God, um, many times... Um, we get caught up with everything that goes on. And how many know there's a lot of stuff going on? Come on. Amen. And some things we don't like. Some things that aggravate us or upset us. Some things uh, uh, have a tendency to uh, jerk our chain a little bit. And uh, there's been a few of those things happen in the last year or so here. And uh, so if you don't watch it pretty soon, you get caught up in that stuff. And next thing you know, um, you're complaining. And uh, complaining ain't the way to go. Come on. Not that there isn't a <clears throat> something to complain about. Are you with me? Uh, there is, and we're not denying that. And actually, the Word of God doesn't deny that. But it does say this, that if you want to do something about it, you want to change it, complaining's not the way to change it. Complaining just opens the door for the enemy. You know, complaining, as I've said, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks back, I think it was, that complaining uh, is, is really just a wrong focus. Because you get focused on the wrong things, and next thing you know, you're verbalizing it, and now all you're doing is giving place to the enemy. And so the very thing that you're, you're, you're tired of or the very thing you don't want to see happen, it just continues to happen because we keep giving place to it. Are you hearing me? And that's the ploy of the enemy. That's the, really the trick of the enemy. And uh, that's how he works. The word says, you know, uh, don't be ignorant of his devices. And that word devices just literally breaks down just head games. And he's good at head games. He knows how to do that, how to get you caught up in things. So the way to, to steer around that is, is that in whatever you do in word or deed, this is verse 17 of Colossians 3, so in all that you're doing, see, in your, in your words, in your actions, all right, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, through Him, praise God. Giving thanks. Everybody say, giving thanks. Uh, as I've brought up every week, that uh, it's the giving of thanks. It ain't God taking thanks. God isn't going to make you do this. This is something that you have to do. Okay, you have to purpose to do. But if you will do that, as we've been seeing over the last, like I said, several weeks, we're finding out the importance of that. It's not just to say, okay, fine, I'll give thanks. I mean, no, that's probably not going to get much done. Come on. But we're talking about the importance of it because of what it does and what it creates, praise God. So the giving of thanks is the start of something, uh, something powerful as far as it moving you toward the right things. Amen. And so the giving of thanks is right focus. Amen. It's fo focusing on the right things. And there's always something to be thankful for. There are things that God has done. There are things that God is doing. And there are things by faith you're believing for. That you can give thanks, start giving God thanks. That's one of the ways to keep your faith engaged, keep your believing, your confidence, your assurance, your trust engaged is by, keep, you know, by keeping thanksgiving before you. If you keep giving thanks for it, it keeps, your, it keeps your faith engaged to receive something. Are you still with me? All right. But uh, it says here, uh, in everything, right, uh, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all of the in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. One translation says, giving God thanks every 
step of the way, praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, every step, praise God. Amen. Uh, that same translation, I believe, is the message translation, and it just says also to cultivate thankfulness. Amen. That's what we've been trying to do here, amen, every week. For those that don't know, maybe I better do this real quick. Thanksgiving is defined as to express gratitude, to express it, okay? To speak praise, to confess out your mouth, right? Confess adoration and appreciation, amen. So your mouth has to be involved, amen. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. First Thessalonians, put that up, just some key verses. We'll move into what we have for you today. In everything, give thanks. Everybody say in everything. You notice it didn't say for everything. There's a lot of stuff uh, coming down, uh, you know, that, that is not from God. It's not of God. Amen. He's not asking you to give thanks for all the stuff the devil's doing. But what he's asking is that in the midst of it, keep your focus right. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen. It's the will of God. Amen. It's his will that you do this. Amen. Everybody say his will. I always, uh, you know, have to say this because I just believe, you know, so many times everybody wants to know, what's the will of God for my life? Well, I tell you what, if we don't know really what step for you to take at the moment, we do know this. If you will begin to give God thanks, what you're doing right at that moment now is you've stepped into the will of God. Amen. And if you will continue to do that, it'll position you in a right place. Amen. Not only uh, create an atmosphere conducive for God to move, but also create a way of thinking that keeps you in the right focus, the right line. Also will prepare you and keep you open to hear from heaven so that your next step, praise God, will start being in line where then every other area of your life can be in the will of God. Whew. Are you with me? So this is, this is really a, a key uh, to get the ball rolling in the right direction. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, please. Let's look at that verse. It says, therefore, uh, by him let us continually, everybody say continually, continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Now he defines it. He says, that is. In other words, what we're talking about here is the fruit of our lips, See, something's coming out of our mouth, giving thanks to his name. Okay, and as I've been talking about, it's, it's staying focused. It ain't just necessarily just talking about what you're thankful for, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that, staying positive, staying up. But you have to all got to aim your thanks unto him. And that's why I've been talking about the importance of our prayer time uh, the key, you want to find, uh, you, want, you want to move into presence quick in the area of your prayer time. The quickest way to do that is to open up with, with a, a sense of thanksgiving, giving of thanks, being thankful, adoration, appreciation. Amen. You'll be amazed how things begin to roll. All right. Verse 16 says this. It says, but do not forget to do good, which is right. In other words, doing right things and to share, be benevolent. It's talking about for with such sacrifices, plural, God is well pleased. Well, it starts first, amen, verse 15. Put that back up, if you will. Hallelujah. It says it starts with the fruit of our lips, giving thanks. Amen. That's the original there. The, the first uh, sacrifice of praise is the giving of thanks unto God, getting your mouth involved. And as I said every time, and I'm going to say it again, your mouth has to be involved. But get your mouth working for you and not against you. Amen. That's why I'm saying you get start giving God thanks. Amen. If you don't know what else to do, just say, Lord, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. I don't even agree with what's going on. But I know this, praise God. You are good. Hallelujah. And I give you thanks. And you're my provider. You're my deliverer. Hallelujah. You're my all in all. I give you thanks for what you're doing. I give you thanks, Lord God, for what you're about to do. I give you thanks, Lord God. Hallelujah. You're my Savior. You're my salvation. You're my righteousness. You're my sanctification. I give you thanks. Hallelujah. All of a sudden, it just begins to shift everything, praise God, and I guarantee you the devil's heading out the door. It's amazing how much you can get done when the devil's not messing with you. Are you with me? All right, so uh, with that, uh, we went to Psalms. Amen. Here's a, a big key. Some of the things we're going to spin off of here today a little bit. Let us come before his presence. This is Psalms 95.2. Let us come before his presence. Everybody say presence. Let's define that. It means the face or the countenance of, the forefront or the form of, the person of, or the appearance of. 
So when we're talking about the presence of God, we're talking about literally face-to-face, okay, having an encounter with God. All right, let us come before his presence. So what that means we can. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's wonderful. The more presence you have in your life, you know, the more you're involved in and, and, and connected with God in His presence, amen, the greater things uh, uh, become. And I'm going to show you some of that here today. Let us come before His presence with what? Thanksgiving. That's how it starts, right? Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. And it's talking about songs of adoration, okay? Uh, put Psalms 100 up, amen, hallelujah. You still okay? Now, I've got to kind of lay all this groundwork, okay, uh, because we can't, we can't lose sight of it. We've got to keep it stern in us, amen, the importance of thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So enter into his gates, amen. It's just another way of saying really, bottom line, entering into his presence, coming into his presence. The word here, gates, okay, of course, is talking about an opening, an entrance, okay, and it's dealing with the gates of, of, of heaven, obviously, uh, at least in this verse, but there are many verses that talk about the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, are you hearing me? And nobody wants those gates open. But we find out that the way to enter into his gates is through thanksgiving. So you have to understand then that if you reverse that or you flip that, the way to enter into the enemy's gates is through complaining, grumbling, griping, whatever. Get your mouth working against you instead of for you. So look at your neighbor and say, Thanksgiving's the way to go. So enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts, or that literally means a courtyard or a garden, okay, with praise. Okay, so you're going in a gate. You're coming now through that gate into a courtyard, which reverse, refers to an environment, an atmosphere. If you look this up, in fact, as we brought out, I think, uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, we're talking about Eden. Okay, Now, Eden is no longer a place on planet Earth, but it is a place you can go to daily. It's still available. But the way into Eden is through Thanksgiving. Now, if you go into Eden, there's all kinds of things and benefits that are there. You get to partake of the tree of life, amen, all the fruit that's on that tree, everything that's about, amen, you can partake of it, amen. You coming in to his presence is what's happening. A lot of things uh, begin to happen and shift and change when you tap presence. With me? Okay, so I want to talk some about that. Now, how many know uh, Jesus probably had a pretty good, you know, pretty successful ministry? Have you ever thought about, you know, this, uh, this man named Jesus? Okay, now we, you know, last, you know, you know, yesterday, you know, celebrated the, you know, the anniversary of, you know, the Lord's birth, amen, which, you know, um, we're all pretty sure it's probably not the exact day, hello, but it gives us an opportunity to at least celebrate, amen, as, uh, you know, as a people. And, uh, but uh, we all rejoice over the, the birth, and, and a lot of times we rejoice over the, resur- or the death and the burial and the resurrection and all that happened there and the redemption that came as a result of it. Amen. We rejoice over that. But, you know, uh, you know at age 30, he kind of basically moves into ministry. Amen. And for three and a half years... We see signs, wonders, and miracles. We see a, a man that ministers on the, on the hillsides, amen, teaching truths and principles, things that change lives. People were touched. People were affected by that. The word brings out even that even if you, you could somehow, uh, you know, write everything down on every life that was touched, so there wouldn't even be enough books on the planet to fill it all. And this guy did it in three and a half years. And then, you know, he said, the same works that I do shall you do also. You're like, what? Now, I don't think Jesus was, you know, just dangling a carrot in front of us and, and trying to tease us and say, yeah, it ain't never going to happen, but hey, 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 how many know that he really meant what he said? And he even said, and then when I go, I'm going to send you a helper that's going to be uh, in you and with you, praise God, to help you with all this. Amen. But he said, the same works that I've done, you're able to do too. And you think, well, well, how is that even possible? Well, let's take a look at his life again. Jesus said this. He said, I can't of myself do nothing. 
John 5 brings this out a couple places in John 5, John 8, John 12. Amen. We see where he says, you know, I can't of myself do nothing. And you're thinking Jesus says, I can of myself do nothing. Now, he said in John 15, you can of yourself do nothing. Now, we could all say, well, duh, right? I mean, we don't have a problem with that. I mean, okay, okay, okay. you know, now we might, we might struggle with it and strain on it and still sometimes lose sight of it, but we, you know, we don't lose sight. I mean, we don't, we don't uh, look at that verse in John 15 there and go, no, I don't believe that. No, we probably go, well, yeah, probably. I, don't, I can't of myself do nothing. But Jesus said, I can't of myself do nothing. But he said this, he said, but he said, as I see the Father do, that I also do. And as I hear the Father say, that I also say. He says, I say what he says, and I do what he does. You think, well, okay, you know, God is spirit. Those who love him, love him in spirit and in truth. You're thinking, okay, how does, he, how does he see all this? How is he hearing all this? And then he goes on you know, and says that the same things you can do. And you're thinking, okay, 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 fine. But how do you see and how do you hear? Because that's what it is. And I know he's not talking about the physical eye or the physical ear. Although there were times when he, you see manifestations and at times you actually heard an audible voice. But, you know, most of the time it's not an audible voice. You know that, I know that. But it's an inward witness. It's, it's the inner ear that's hearing something. It's the inner eye, the eyes of your understanding that are seeing things. It's the ear that hears what the Spirit has to say. And if you will hear that and you will see that and you will follow suit, do that. The same works that I do shall you do also. And that's how a man could be so successful in three and a half years. Do you know Jesus didn't always walk on the water? I mean, there were times he actually rode in the boat, trying to take a nap. Gets interrupted, and he's thinking, maybe I should have walked on the water today. I don't know. He did sound, you know, when you read it, he did sound a little frustrated that they had the gall to wake him up when he finally got, you know, went out. You know, all because there was some storm or something. The boat was filling with water. I mean, so what? Right? Well, they were all panicked and, you know, freaking out. And, and so they didn't know what else to do. So they're just thinking, we're all going to die here. So they thought, well, at least Jesus should at least watch as the boat goes down. Well, they interrupt him and, you know, of course... He rebukes them, rebukes the winds, all that kind of stuff. But, but Jesus didn't always walk on the water. Um, in fact, it wasn't that many times that he did. But uh, we know of one time that, that's mentioned in uh, uh, Matthew 14. It's mentioned in Mark 5. It's mentioned in John 5, the same story. And the word says that uh, they were already, the, the disciples that had already left, okay, in their boat. And they're out in the middle of the sea. And, of course, they're fighting because of the winds and all the stuff. And, but uh, the word says that, you know, he came down. There was nobody there. So he walked on the water. Well, where is he going? Well, to the other side. Why? Because the, fa- the father said, go to the other side. He had somebody waiting on the other side that needed assistance. Are you with me? See, he didn't always walk across the water, but that particular time he did. And the word says, you know, uh, it tells us why He had to walk on the water. He walked on the water because when he got done feeding the 5,000, he sent the disciples to the other side ahead of him. And the reason he said that is because I need to be alone. I need to be alone. So the word says then he went up you know, uh, into the hillside, alone. The word says a deserted place. So it's obviously not a lot, you know, there. But he goes up there and he was alone. And the word says he sought God. What was he doing there? The word says he was praying. 
But it wasn't just, you know, him going up there and putting some petition before God of something he needed, per se. Nothing wrong with that, because there's a time of, for a prayer petition. But the, thought, the thing is this, is he's up there seeing and he's up there hearing. And most everybody loses sight of that. So Jesus said this, and I guess probably should get to the scriptures here, huh? In Matthew chapter 6. Are you doing okay? Matthew chapter 6. And we, you know, a lot of times refer to it as, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer, um, you know, the model prayer, and Jesus was asked, you know, how do you pray? And so he kind of gives some instruction in that, and then he kind of walks him through it. And really it's just an outline form. It's not, it's not that you have to say it exactly every time. Nothing wrong with that because it is the Scriptures. But uh, really in all honesty, he's talking about, you know, these are just some components and stuff that makes it work. But he makes a statement prior to it, and he says this in verse 6. He says, but you, when you pray. Now look at your neighbor and say, that is a mandate on you. You have to pray. Well, I don't want to pray. That's what we pay you the big bucks, Pastor. Well, whatever. No, we're all called to pray. And it says, but when you pray, uh, go into your room, okay? And it's talking about a, 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 a secluded room, someplace secluded. And when you have shut the door, in other words, you lock out all distraction. That's what it's talking about. And if you really break this down, it's not really saying that everybody has to have a closet. Now, you have to find that place in your, in your household or whatever that works for you where you can go in, amen, outside of everything else or away from everything else, uh, away from all distractions. And if you have to shut a door behind you, then shut a door behind you. Okay? But he said, pray to your father. Everybody say, your father. father. Say, my father. father. So you have to understand, see, it's, it's, he, the father is just as much your father as he was Jesus' father. All right? Come on. So pray to your father. Now, this is Jesus talking, telling you when you pray, you know, come on, when you pray, amen, talk to your father, right? Come on. Your father, who is in what? The secret place. And your father who sees in secret, and that really just refers to he sees the unseen, he knows what's going on, he knows all the behind-the-scenes things, and it says, and he will reward you openly. Now, everybody say secret place. Secret place. Hmm. Secret place. Well, secret place. What is it? Well, it speaks of something personal, private, or intimate. Hmm. Now, you you know that uh, we have... Really, almost the whole year, believe it or not, when you go back and look at at least, I'd say at least 90% of the messages we've done on Sunday have always been trying to point everybody to the Father. Been doing it all year. Uh, you know, you can go through everything and, and just even look at it, and you see everything is this year has been a year of trying to move God's people toward Him. He's your source. Amen. Don't lose sight of that. But, but he says, uh, who is in the secret place. So there's a place. Everybody say a place. In fact, the, uh, the word place uh, is actually italicized. So, uh, you know, it isn't necessarily uh, the word place isn't necessarily in the text. But the word secret refers to a place. So that's why uh, the New King James puts secret place in there. Some translation might just say, who is in secret. In fact, um, the... It would be the message translation again. Says this, uh, uh, talks about, calls it his that secret place of presence. I think, okay. So, but anyway, a secret place. It's talking about a place of intimacy. Come on, a place of presence. So he's talking about in a secret place. So Jesus is saying this. This is how it works, boys. You want to know how this works? This is how it works. Somewhere along the line, you've got to get, in, get yourself in a habit of getting yourself away from all other distractions. And what we've been finding out even over the, uh, the course of time here is it has to be a daily thing. This can't be just sometime, well, someday I'm going I'm to go to the coast and hang out there on the coast and get alone with God. Well, chances are if you don't get alone with God here, you're probably not going to get alone with God there. 
Now, they're all with the coast. I could use a good coast trip myself. Hallelujah. But the point is this, amen, it's got to be a daily thing, daily, amen, as we've been finding out over the year, daily, you got to have God breathing into you. You were designed by God as an individual that not only conducts and lives a life, but in order to do it right, you got to have daily breath, the God, hallelujah, breathing the breath of life into you every single day. There has to be that. Otherwise, we, we struggle. Otherwise, we do everything in our own power, in our own ability, and then we strain at it. Now we're stressed out. We're overloaded. We're overworked. We're not, our schedule's all flipped upside down. And I don't care how great of a daily, uh, whatever you call them, daily, what are they called? Is there, what's that book called they always fill a Planner, daily planner. So I don't care how well you're planned. If we're not letting God breathe in us every day, I guarantee you your plan is going to get upset. Are you with me? And then what are you going to do about that? Well, it don't fit my daily planner. Oh, well, you still have to conduct life. Well, it doesn't fit my schedule. That doesn't fit what I wanted to do. Oh, well, you're going to have to draw on him on what you got to do now. Amen? All right. I'm not trying to depress anybody. I'm just saying it's how this works, all right? But Jesus said this. He said, if you want this to work right, you're going to have to find your place, amen, and shut the door behind you. Eliminate distractions. Now, how many know God could talk to you all through the day? Am I right? About three of us. I think you're getting nervous what I'm going to ask here. How many know God can talk to you all through the day? We're not saying that God only talks to you in your prayer time. But I have found that there's a reason for the quiet prayer time. There's a reason it said, be still and know that I'm God. See, without that, see, we don't train ourselves to hear right. So what happens is, so then in the course of a day, if you've never trained yourself to become, you know, quiet and still and learn the voice, amen, or learn to see things, come on. If you're not, if you don't do that, what happens when you're out and about, you miss it. Are you still with me? Listen, this explains why good people who know God end up in the same dilemmas that the world is in. Because God's trying to communicate with you. He's trying to, he don't want you, okay, having your life all flipped upside down because something the enemy's stirring and doing. He's trying to get you around all that mess. And by the way, we have a good God and a bad devil. God gets blamed for a lot of stuff that he never was, the, never was a part of. You know, this is probably a different sermon. But anyway, he says you're going to have to, if you want to pray, you're going to have to find that place. All right? And then the, the God, your God, your Father who knows all the inside. He knows the stuff behind the scenes. He knows everything that's going on. He knows about your life. He knows about your kids. He knows about your spouse. He knows about your job situation. He knows about your financial situation. He knows about your health issue. He knows. And the word says this, that if you will do that, he'll reward you openly. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe we should look at that. And the word reward here, it refers to when you look it up, it just, it just gives you a list of all kinds of benefits that come as a result of it. And he says that he will reward you openly, which is a word that means apparent and manifest. In other words, it's going to be seen. It's going to be recognized. And so the, everything that we're bringing out here is this. If you want to tap this place called the secret place, it starts with a thing of thanksgiving. Find a place to get alone, get quiet. I mean, even if you got 15 minutes. Jesus said, the same works that I do shall you do also. Well, Jesus, how is that possible? Well, you're going to have to find that quiet place. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to hook up. Amen. And you're going to have to stay connected, get yourself in tune and listen. Jesus didn't always walk on the water. You know, Jesus didn't always raise the dead. He did sometimes. He didn't do it all the time. Anybody know what I'm saying? Jesus didn't always heal everybody. Now, there were times that we went in certain places, and the Word says, and He healed them all. 
You know, but he didn't, he didn't, everywhere he go, he didn't heal everybody. We know for a fact in John 5 about, uh, you know, when you go, uh, he went to the pool of Bethesda. He was led by the Spirit of God, obviously, went into the pool of Bethesda. The word says clearly that the pool is surrounded by sick folk. He goes in, ministers to one man. Ministers to that man, tells him to take up his bed and walk. He turned around and walked back out. In the book of Acts, in chapter 3, we see a, uh, uh, John and, 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 and Peter heading toward you know, the temple at the gate, beautiful there. And the word says there was a man there who had been lame his whole life. He was born lame. Sitting there, and he's flying a sign. Would love to work, but can't. Help where you can. Even a smile will do. I mean, I don't know what he had on a sign. But the bottom line is he was flying a sign, all right? Everybody knew the word said he'd been there for years. Everybody knew the scriptures from, from start to finish. You find out this guy had been there for years, which means Jesus himself walked up that gate multiple times. Come on, somebody. Did the same thing that Peter and John were right there and walked right by the man. But Peter and John at that moment knew what they were supposed to do. They said, listen, I ain't here to give you anything, but I can give you one thing. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Amen. Minister healing to him. The boy got strength into his, into his uh, legs and, and ankles and everything. And all of a sudden, he's leaping and praising God for the first time. Come on, somebody, in whatever amount of years that was. Can I hear a big amen? All right. Why did they do that, Bell? They were led by God to do that. But Jesus himself obviously had been there multiple times in the course of at least those three and a half years, and I'd say more than that. But anyway, at least in those three and a half years, had probably walked by that spot, walked by that man multiple times, and yet there had no leading to stop and minister to him. Now, I'm, not, I'm just trying to show you, how does, how does a man become so successful that everything he did worked? Because he said, listen, if you want to get a hold of it, this is all you have to do, you know. You're going to have to find that place. And you have to find that secret place. And he says, and, and as we've been finding over the last, you know, several weeks, that the quickest way into that place is by giving some thanks. You go find that place. It doesn't take long to find presence once you've, once, you've, once you've got a hold of it and understand how it works. You go in the gate. You come into the courtyard. You hang out in the garden right now. You're tapping presence. And what you do is you begin to give him thanks. You begin to give him honor. And as you begin to do that, praise God, all of a sudden all of heaven's resources are at your disposal. And part of that is the leadings and the biddings and the promptings that come. God begins to show you some things in the inner eye. God begins to give you, uh, say some things to you in, in your inner ear. Come on, somebody. Pretty soon, you. this is what you do concerning the marriage. This is what you do concerning your kids. This is what you do concerning your health. This is what you do concerning. It's amazing what you do. This is how you pray. This is what you say. This is what you declare. This is the verse you stand on. All this comes. Somebody said, well, I wish I, wish I could... Could do that. Listen, all of us, there, there ain't nobody exempt. Everybody can say, thank you, Lord. And that's where it starts. And it just begins, and then it starts rolling from there. All right? Everybody say secret place. Kind of getting ahead of myself, but let's do this anyway. Let's go to Psalms 91. It was mentioned in our, as we prayed here earlier, Psalms 91. Are you doing good? All right. Psalms 91. And we're going to go verse 1. Hallelujah. Most of the time we, uh, when we uh, talk about uh, Psalms 91, we refer to it as, you know, a psalm of protection, which it is. Amen. But how does Psalm 91 start? He who dwells in the secret place. Everybody say the secret place. So that place of intimacy, that, that place of presence, okay, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. One translation says it this way, If you will sit down in, in high God's presence, you will spend the night in, Shad, in Shaddai's shadow. Now the reason that's it, the way it says that way is because of the way these words define. The word dwell here uh, refers to remaining, continuing, abiding kind of a deal. But it also means to sit down. And the implication is this, somewhere along the line, chill out. Get quiet. Get still. Sit 
down. Have you ever had your mama say that to you? Sit down. Maybe your pastor once in a while might have even said that to you. <laughs> what do I do? Just sit down and shut up. Say, guy, he's so mean. It's saying here, if you, want, if, you, if you want to tap something here, this is how it begins. Now remember, it's a psalm of protection that literally steers you and directs you, amen, even from the pitfalls of the enemy. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Listen, which starts to give us some clarity why good people who know God end up in dilemmas they shouldn't be in. So what happens is, is, is we, we miss this. We, we go after the promise of like verse, you know, three on or whatever here. We're, you know, we're, we're wanting God's angelic host to be around us. We want to get steered clear of the, of the fowler. We don't want to fall in his pitfalls and the traps he's laid out. We want all those promises. But he says, listen, how does this work? Well, you're going to have to, somewhere along the line, you're going to have to move into that secret place of the Most High. El Elyon is, is the Hebrew word for most high. It means the, the highest one, the supreme one, the elevated one. Basically, it means the one who knows. Because if you start looking at the rest of the psalm, the reason that all of this can work is because the one, the elevated one whom you're t- spending time with, knows. He knows the trap that's being set for you right now. He knows exactly what the enemy's working behind the scenes to hang you up. He knows exactly what what somebody else is maybe manipulating and maneuvering to do something. He knows exactly uh, what's going on. He knows what's happening right now, how that that flu bug's trying to buzz around in here. Oh, it's going to land here? No, it won't. Okay. Coronavirus, bow the knee. We're not denying the existence of all these kind of things. But Jesus, you know, brings out, listen, this, you got to find the secret. You got to come into that place. You got to hang out there a while. You're going to have to hear some things. You're going to have to see some things. And if you'll do that, you can have the benefit of it. You're rewarded openly. It's, it's, it's out there. It's there. Just can't get people to go there. So he says, if you'll dwell, if you'll come in and remain and continue, you'll, you'll take up resident and habit. If you'll come in and sit down. Psalms 46 says, be still and know that I'm God. It doesn't mean that God isn't God when you get up and move around. It just says, listen, somewhere along the line, you got to learn how to be still and learn that voice. Some say, well, I pray on the way to work. Well, good. You probably should. Have you been out on those roads lately? Well, I pray in the shower. Well, that's probably good, especially if you looked in the mirror before you hopped in there. You know as well as I do, I mean, you're, you're still distracted. You're still, you know, you're still having to watch what's going, you know, you have to watch this and see that and take care of this. But that's why he says sometimes you've got to have that time where you come in and say, nothing else. Right here, the phone even gets moved away, whatever. Somebody said, well, I ain't got time for that. Listen, you ain't got... If, if you don't have time to pray, you're doing something wrong. That's just, listen, no condemnation. We've all been there. Okay, but you're doing something wrong then. And I guarantee if you go into prison, you'll find out what it is. He'll begin to talk to you about what you're doing wrong. He'll begin to help you. And it's not that God's condemning because he ain't condemning. But he's pretty straight up. I have found that out. He doesn't pull any punches. He just says it like it is. Amen. He calls, you know, an ace an ace and a spade a spade. Come on. But see, if you don't ever go to that kind of place, what happens, you might go along in your life doing something that all it's doing is setting you up for another trap by the enemy. And he says this, if you will dwell in that secret place, 
that place of presence, that place of intimacy of the God who knows all, the supreme one, then it says that you shall abide, okay, live and remain under, okay, take rest under the shadow of the Almighty. Now that's what we want. We want to hang out there. That's where we, we want the shadow. Most of the time what happens, okay, well, let's just do it this way. Uh, um, I'm not even sure if it's, I think it's more of a Hebrew word, uh, but the Israelites used to call it the hoopah. Hoopah. Hoopah, hoopah. What's a hoopah? It's a covering. In fact, this word shadow refers to a covering or a cloud. Uh, refers to, let's see, where are we at here? Here it is. Uh, uh, a shade, cloud, covering, but also umbra, which we get our word umbrella, okay, but it means a, a, a covering, and it also means to follow secretly. In other words, it's something that if you will, he says, if you will come in and hang out here, I'll show you things, reveal things, and as you follow me, you stay under that, that covering. Now, the times that we have issues and problems is, the pro, is when we do this. We hang out over here, or over here, or out here, or over here. And we think, well, you know, I'm a child of God, and, you know, whatever. I, you know. Listen, listen, you get out from under here, and all of a sudden you're exposed now to the elements. What you want to do is hang out right here. Now, you might find it's not even that. It might just be a minor adjustment, a minor little change, a little thing. It isn't much, but you, just a little change can make the difference of you being here and you being here. And you end up over here, now you're exposed. And that's what the enemy's hoping for. Get you out from under the covering because he ain't allowed under here. Right, right, that's right. So he said, "Well, okay, whatever." No, listen, no, no, no. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The word Almighty, El Shaddai, the breasty one, the all-sufficient God, the God who is more than enough. Praise God. Amen. Right. So if you will hang out there. Your needs are always met. That's why Jesus said, my food, my sustenance, my supply is doing the will of God. I, I hear what I have to hear, and then I, I, I say it. I, do, I, I see things. I do that. And as a result of it, I keep following. I stay in the will of God. And all, I'm always supplied. I'm always taken care of. I'm never without. My sustenance is, is met. And all of this comes by just taking some time. Uh, a couple weeks back, I think it was, I think I mentioned it. And uh, I always think, what was the difference between Jesus and the disciples? Bingo. Jesus got 5,000, it says 5,000 men, so we don't even know. It, I mean, there could be a whole lot more people on that hillside then, but they said 5,000 men. He said, okay, what do we have? Well, there's, they, they said, well, we got this and this, but they kept focusing on what they didn't have. Well, you know, we ain't got enough. Even, I mean, if we even just emptied the treasury, what we have, you know, we got, well, I don't even know if we have, I don't even know if we can go buy enough bread to feed, feed this group. And besides, I don't even know if, the, you know, we don't even know if the store's open. And Walmart, if you've been there lately, I mean, they don't even have that many, uh, you know, shelves they got stuff on it. And they're already getting ready for Valentine's Day. They've already missed the boat on what. <laughs> See, everybody's, everybody starts focusing on what they don't have. But Jesus said, what do we have? So he took what we had. He says, this is what we have. And the word says he lifted it up and he gave thanks for it and then blessed it. Come on. While they were all focused on what they didn't have, he was focused on what they did, and he blessed it. Why? Because he's still under the hoopah. Because earlier he saw himself do that. And he saw himself pray that. You know, he didn't always do that. I bet a lot of times there are people falling thinking, I hope he does this again today. This would be cool. Because that way I'd never have to buy groceries ever again. Don't ever have to go to Walmart. Hallelujah. 
but he didn't do it all the time. We know he did at least a couple times because we know he, the feeding of the 5,000, and later on we see the feeding of the 4,000. Okay. And then he even asked the boys, he says, you know, he said, you know, and they're, they're all confused trying to figure out everything out. He says, listen, he said, what, do you, what, what is it you don't get? They're sitting there trying to analyze because you know as well as I do that after they got done feeding the 5,000, they took up the leftovers were even more than what they started with. And the same thing happened with the 4,000. And they're, they're trying to somehow think it's analytical or, you know, mathematical, trying to, okay, you take three fish and some loaves and see somehow it, well, okay, well, okay, that was the, well, then over here you had the five fish and three loaves. Trying to say, well, it, it don't compute. No, it won't. It won't because you're too busy focusing on everything out here and you lose sight of who your source really is. So he says, listen, you focus on, on, on something different and realize, recognize, give thanks unto him. You tap that place called the secret place and all of a sudden everything shifts and changes. Now you're, you remain under the shadow. Come on, of the one who provides, the one who will deliver, the one who, amen, meets every need, the one who's more than enough for whatever it is you, you have need of, you stay there. And it could have just been that if you, that day, if you would have just went through the gate, hung out in the garden for a minute, partake of a piece of fruit, all of a sudden you had a witness in your heart what you needed to do that day. And sometimes just, it's just one, one lean, one bidding. And somebody says, well, I just don't understand why you say all this. Because, I mean, I mean, God, I mean, I mean he's, so, he's so huge. He's so big. Yes, my point exactly. And all he's asking is for his people to acknowledge that. To come into that secret place and go, Lord, what would you have me do today? What, what's, what's the plan for today? Or what, what would you like me to uh, say or to pray or to acknowledge? Or, or, or who do you want me to connect with? Or, or Lord, what, 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 what should I do with the, my child situation there? Or what should I do with this marriage situation? Lord God, I'm, 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 I'm here to be led. Show me, lead me, guide me, direct me. Wisdom, insight, understanding, whatever it is, praise God. Help me, hallelujah, to remain under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, a week or so ago I talked about, you know, the majority of the miracles that we need is because if we were just been maybe listening, we probably wouldn't need that miracle right now. Because we might not have, you know, and, and nothing wrong with getting a miracle. If you need a miracle, let's get it. Amen. I'm all for that. But sometimes it's because we were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And uh, we got involved in something or we signed on the dotted line or we said, I do, or we, all these things that, you know, that, that we make choices and decisions in everyday living and we didn't, we didn't acknowledge God, we didn't go to God, we didn't, we didn't hear his instruction on that. We just started doing it, just hoping that everything I do is blessed. But the blessing's under the hoopah. It's under the, the umbrella, it's under the covering, it's under the shadow, the cloud, Amen. And that's where it's at. And so your first choice ought to be time spent with him today. Now you may get in there and he may not, he may not talk to you about anything other than just empowering and strengthening you. In fact, if you uh, go to uh, Exodus 33, please, let's, let's do a little bit of this. We might have a few minutes. Let's do this. Okay. Uh, this is what he said to Moses. He said, my presence will go with you. He said, well, that's Moses. Well, yeah, but we have, according to the word, he said his presence will go with us too. And he said, and I will give you what? Rest. Well, you know, here he is up on a mountain, hanging out with God, and saying, I'll give you rest. I'll make you use a little rest once in a while. Now, this, this isn't just necessarily talking about time spent on your pillow. Although there's some days that'd be wonderful too. But it's about, it's about 
being stress-free. No anxiety. No worry. See? No fear. See? So he says, listen, and and Moses, you know, had a a tendency sometimes, because of what he was dealing with, when he lost sight of who God was, and, and, uh, you know, he he lost sight, he'd get mad, he'd get upset, you know, these dumb dumb, uh, people I have to work with and and what they're doing and and what they're about, and and they they make me mad, they make me upset, they stress me out, they blah, 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 and pretty soon, uh, you know as well as I do, that, you know, because he lost sight of this, uh, come on, somebody, he crossed the line, did something he shouldn't have done, and because of it, doesn't go over into the promised land because he's stressed out. Martha, Martha, chill out. Come in here, find rest. Sit down, yes, sit down in here. Leave the table, the chicken, and the taters alone. You need rest right now. No, my problem is my sister. No, you got a lot of problems right now. That's what Jesus said. You got all kinds of problems right now. But we can solve it with one decision. Come in here, sit down. Your sister is doing the right thing. Right? Uh, put Psalm 16 up there. Are you doing okay or am I boring you? All right. You will show me the path of life. And that literally just means a life worth living. It's vibrancy, alive, okay, a path of life, okay. And your presence, here it is again, is fullness, or in your presence is fullness of joy. Joy. Amen. Everybody say joy. <sighs> the joy of the Lord is your strength. So it's good to have joy. Amen. Have his joy. It's full of joy. Man, you you don't come out of the presence of God depressed. I'm telling you. If you came out of your prayer time depressed, you didn't tap presence. I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying. Okay, You shouldn't come out of prayer time more mad, more depressed, more upset than when you went in. Okay? Full of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And that just literally means full satisfaction. When you go into prison, you're going to find rest, amen, freedom from stress. You're going to find joy. You're going to find satisfaction in God like you've never found before in anything else, praise God. You go in there and all of a sudden everything begins, all the yuck falls off. Most of the problems in our life would literally fall off if we would hang out there in that secret place, the place of his presence. And all it took was some thanksgiving to enter in, to open up that gate, go on in, hang out in the the courtyard, hang out in the garden area, praise God, hallelujah, into his presence and receive. Sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes with everything that, that gets on you and tries to stay on you. You know, I always say, you know, one of the importance of the house of God is it's a decontamination station. Well, the presence is even more than that even. Amen. But, uh, you know, the world out there, you go out there and everything just sticks to you. Pretty soon you're like, but it's amazing just, you know, coming into the house and you come in the house of God and it's like, oh, I am a human being. But see, that's what happens when you come into presence. It's like you don't have to wait. Oh, I wish Sunday would get here so I can get this stuff off me. Now you still come to church. But, amen, it's amazing when you just step into presence and all that yuck just starts falling off. And you'd be amazed that when you get the yuck off, how much clearer you can think. It's like you're not driven by fear anymore. It's like, ah, ah, ah. (laughs) 
Next thing you know, you're swinging from limb to limb. We better get off this one. Amen. How about Psalms like uh, 89? Let's try that one here, okay? This is a good one right here. Psalms, is it 89? I want to say, uh, did I give you that one? Did I not give you that one? Yep, there it is. Uh, it says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Okay, rightness, justice, that literally means a verdict, okay? So righteousness and doing things right. Justice, come on, I mean, there's a place of time of justice, time of rightness. Righteousness, what that refers to, are the foundation of your throne. But he said, look at this, mercy and truth go before your face. It's, the word, it's literally the word presence here, okay? Let's look at the next verse, and we'll come back to that. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, uh, O Lord, in the light of your countenance or your presence, that same word, presence. Just use a different uh, synonym there. All right, so back up to verse 14 again. Righteousness, justice, mercy, truth. You see in this, and you think, okay, see, this is where sometimes the mix-up, we see all this stuff. Well, this is the way it should be right here. Bless God. Jerk the slack right out of you, I tell you. Straighten up. Justice. Then you go into presence, and God said, lighten up. What the heck is your problem? Why? Because he's also a God of mercy and truth. Now you say, well, what, what are you getting at? Well, see, when you go into that place, it's amazing. Sometimes you recognize, amen, that there's a time for justice. There's a time for mercy. There's a time when things need to be, all right, let's get things in order here. And then he's there. And don't, it isn't that, you know, oh, it doesn't matter. Everything goes. Ha, ha, hallelujah. Uh, right? Come on. Sometimes there is righteousness and justice. But, you know, sometimes mercy will go a long way. And truth referring to the fact, it literally speaks of a place of uh, right or stability, uh, everything in order kind of a thing, right, true, amen, uh, stable, amen. So, in other words, mercy and truth. God knows Every facet of everything you're dealing with, God knows how to bring all that thing around. Sometimes when you go in there, the point is this. When you go through the gate, get into the courtyard, get into that garden, tap in presence, tap in that secret place. All of a sudden, he begins to talk to you about how to balance your life. Because if I talk about rightness and you all walk out and go, that's right. Let's take it. To the man. And some days I want to go, Amen. <laughs> and then what if we don't get on mercy and truth until the end of the year? And so we're going the whole year, we're just. <laughs> Somebody goes, Dude. Somebody said, What are you getting? I'm getting that if you go into there every day. He puts all that in perspective, puts all that in balance. And there's a time when, amen, there is justice. And you pray for that. You believe God for that. And there's a time when there's mercy and truth. But where do you find that? Well, every day of your life you can find it in that secret place that keeps everything in checks and balance. Everything checked and balanced. Amen. Everything right. Everything working right. Well, think about this, raising kids. Whew, that's a good verse to know. Is anybody married? Remember when it started? Right? Remember all that? And then after a little while, pretty soon you started on. You wake up with bedhead. And your breath... And sometimes you're not, you know, sometimes you've got issues. Somebody said, well, they changed. No, they didn't. Well, somebody said, well, maybe they did. Well, most of the time it didn't. Most of the time it's just you were, you were in love and focused on all the good, and then all of a sudden one day you didn't see all the good. But see, if, if you're going in that place there, if you go into that place, you find that, you know, there's a place for mercy and a place, amen, for truth and righteousness and just, sometimes justice, sometimes mercy, sometimes, sometimes you, you have to deal with this and sometimes you don't just let it go. Choose your battles. 
And I have found if you deal with something, make sure you're being led by God to deal with it. And somebody said, well, you don't understand, Pastor. No, listen, listen. You can go in here, you can open the Word, you can find a verse for any one of these things. And I can probably take every one of those and quote you about a half a dozen verses per every one of them, and you can take that verse and say, that's the way I live. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's more than just righteousness and justice. Sometimes it's mercy and truth. And so God's the one that keeps all that in check. So you don't get out of balance and get out and then step out from under the hoopah. Because you can try to raise your kids with righteousness and justice and then find out a little mercy might have went a long ways at that moment, but you didn't want to. Or it could be maybe you're just all about mercy, 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 and God says, a little justice here. Make this thing right. Are you with me? And so we lose something, we lost something, all because we didn't stay under the hoopah. Let's try one more. Let's, can you do one more or not? Am I, am I boring you? Acts 3. Let's put that up. Okay. Repent, therefore, and be converted. Oh, hallelujah. That your sins may be blotted out. So that that's, Somehow that verse just doesn't start right. Does it for, anyway, so that your time, look at this, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Refreshment, vibrancy. Sometimes you just need a little refreshing. Of course, it does start with turning over to him, right, yielding to him, repenting if you have to repent, you know, get, get your life right, whatever. But the presence is there, and what, what's, in, what's it found in the presence? Times of refreshing. Sometimes that's all you need. Did I lose you on the last one? No. Okay. So sometimes you just need refreshed. You ever get to so thirsty, and then all of a sudden you just have this cold glass of water, and you just... You just, as you're drinking, you just feel the whole body go. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, that was so amazing. What was it? It was refreshing. Sometimes you just need to be refreshed. Huh? And then it goes on, talks about verse 20 here now, and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, verse 21. Of course, there's a lot of stuff being done right there in that text here, but uh, whom heaven must receive until the times of, here we go, restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. But you also see times of restoration. I, you know, speak to you today that what else you find in this presence is times of refreshment, times of restoration. All this happens. Now, restoration is about restoring things. It's about things being restored. I said it's about things being restored. Sometimes it's all you need. So you think, well, I don't know what to do. What do I do? What do I do? Oh, my God. What's going to happen? Oh, my God. Settle down. Get in that place. Hang out there and watch God restore something. Sometimes what happens is we're too busy trying to fix everything. I know it's nobody in here. It's all those people that didn't come today. But you got, you know, you got your schedule and everything else. You're looking. I'm trying to. You know, I got to fix this, and 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 I got to fix this. Pretty soon, so, oh, I'm so stinking wore out. I'm tired. I'm tired of fixing everything. Why do I have to fix everything? How come I have to fix everything? God says you don't. Just come in here and let me help you with this mess. You go in there, you hang out in here, and all of a sudden, things begin to get restored. All of a sudden, it's a thing. God shows you what to do, what to say, what to pray, what not to do. Sometimes it's just as important as what to do, what not to do. Have you ever got involved with something you think, why did I do that? Why did I get involved? Because now all of a sudden it's all kinds of other issues. And so sometimes the Spirit of God says, let it alone. It's not your concern. Well, Lord, don't you think it's not your concern? And then the next day we say, okay, today it's your concern. Go handle that. Everybody say balanced. You only find it in presence. Because you can find a verse for everything. But when you go into presence, 
to show you how to balance those verses. The timings, years ago, the Spirit of God said this to me, and I hope it means something to you as it did to me. He says, uh, in God, timing is everything. Timing's everything. Sometimes you say, well, I need to go handle this. Well, yeah, but if it's, if it's not the timing of the Lord, then you might just be messing something up. Did you get something today? All right, give the Lord praise, everybody. Come on now. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Word of Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.